He's one of just the most painfully dumb humans I've ever seen. And I've met some (laughs) dumb people in my life. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 45 of the H-Dog Pod. Normally I like to find an athlete who wore the number that corresponds to the episode number. But I have to tell you, I came up empty for number 45. There really weren't many good choices, to be honest. I poured over endless amount of players and couldn't come up with anybody good, especially in basketball, for reals. Legit, there wasn't anyone in NBA history that wore 45 that really was any good at all, to be honest. So I scraped the bottom of the barrel, and let me tell you, it wasn't a sexy, well-known household name. It was somebody by the name of Michael Jordan? I believe he was an actor. Actually, no, in fact, I know he was. He was in one of my favorite all-time shows, Friday Night Lights, and he was in the movie called Black Panther. Uh, I doubt anyone's ever heard of it. Small indie film, I think. So yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't really ring a bell to anyone I'd suspect, but uh, I digress. The Masters ended this past week, and seeing Dustin Johnson take home the green jacket was amazing. He's been way, way too talented and has had far too many heartbreaks It was just great to see him finally win his criminally low second major. Normally, he walks like a boss and shows zero emotion at all. So it was pretty cool to see him break down and show a vulnerable, emotional side with his walls down. As a kid, you know, always dreamed about, you know, being a Masters champion. It's okay. It's hard to talk. You've earned this right. But, you know, it's, you know, it's just incredible, obviously, as you can tell. I've never had this much trouble gathering myself. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, on the golf course, I'm pretty good at it. Out here, I'm not. I also marveled at the ageless wonder 63-year-old Bernhard Longer. He made the cut and finished in a respectable tie for 29th. He actually did better than jacked Bryson DeChambeau. Amazing. Golf is such a timeless sport. And yes, it is a sport. Anyone who says it isn't is a complete moron. Try playing it. And you'll see how it'll make you uh, pretty sore the next day. And it takes a lot of athletic ability. It's not easy to play well. It's very, very difficult. Don't ever say it's not a sport because you're tattling on yourself for being a gargantuan, good word, clown. My next guest today has been on before, and I'm sure we'll talk Bachelorette and the NFL. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a recurring guest. I was a huge fan favorite, Katie Caldwell. She was on episode 20. And she discussed awesome stories working for the Nashville Predators. You had to be on again, Katie. Uh, I had to give the people what they wanted. Uh, welcome back to the pod, uh, Katie. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so excited to be here once again. Seahawks Cardinals tonight. Uh, we're recording this on the Thursday night, and I am uh, fired up, and I am nervous. And uh, yeah, there's uh, so much to discuss with that game, and we'll delve deeply into that. But uh, Bachelorette, yes, uh, this week. What do you think about uh, now that Tasha's on the show and uh, Claire is gone? The storyline with Dale was so forced from the beginning that, and and because we already knew that Tasha was coming in, the whole time you're watching it, you're like, okay, can we just kind of get this over with? It it didn't flow very nicely with me because it was just so hilariously obvious what was happening, and they didn't even try to hide it. So yeah, now yeah. that Tasha's here, it just feels like we have refreshed ourselves on our journey to find love together. <laughs> and uh, do you think like Dale and Claire are, are for real? Do you, do you believe? And also do you think they didn't talk to each other before they uh, went, went on the show? I think they're for real for now, but I also feel like 
when you are engaged to someone after 46 minutes, <laughs> typically you haven't gotten to a lot of the important depth things that you need to know about a human before you spend the rest of your life with them. So, I mean, good on you guys. I I don't know what else to say. I'm just kind of happy to not hear that that name anymore. <laughs> See, people, uh, there's a faction of people who love Dale and then other people who, like me, I, I don't know, I just didn't, he just seems too glib or too perfect. Well, he is perfect, I guess, but too glib and too perfect for me. Uh, there, it just seemed like something was amiss and Claire's going to get a broken heart again. And, and I don't even really see the level of perfection that everybody's screaming about. Like, he came out of the limo and she basically fell apart and said, oh, there's my husband and I'm looking at their interaction like... I've had more exciting interactions than that in the grocery store with strangers that I never saw again. Like, <laughs> it, it, I feel like it was so forced from even when he came out of the limo that her eyes just went all, she's batting her eyelashes. And I'm like, what, what are you seeing that I'm not? He's a normal ass dude. Like, right. <laughs> like he's, he's handsome and he's relatively nice, but I just, I don't understand that he's that big of a standout amongst all of these other men immediately. That's very funny you say that because the last uh, podcast guest I had on Ainsley had the exact opposite take of you. She was just like, "Oh Ooh. man, Dale is absolutely incredible!" Like, uh, you know, he is such a a babe. Which I, again, I, I can't uh, fully disagree with. He is hot. So, uh, but yeah, she was in love. Well, one thing <laughs> I saw a photo of him that he had modeled for Party City, and I feel like I can't unsee him in just a bunch of Halloween costumes. <laughs> I didn't see those photos at all. That's that sounds pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, no. look it up. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll I'll do that actually uh, as I ask you these questions. Uh, uh, so yeah, obviously uh, uh, in the latest episode, uh, the the big fight between Chasen and I think his name was Ed. I want to call him Joe. He looks like a Joe to me, but I think his name is Ed. Is that the man baby? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The man baby. Uh, okay. Wh- wh- where you stand on this this Chasen Ed feud? Chasen is. <laughs> I don't know how to say this in nice words. No, no, don't be nice. He's one of just the most painfully dumb humans I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've met some <laughs> dumb people in my life, in my years on this earth. When, when, he, when he was like, yeah, I called both women a smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally like gasped and laughed and looked around like a Jim Halpert at the camera that didn't exist being like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And then he doubled down on it and he kept saying smoke show later. Mm -hmm, And I just, mm -hmm. he's someone that you look at him and he's like this little puppy that just has no knowledge, but you're like, you're kind of cute, but like, man, you're a handful, (laughs) not in a good way. And then it's just, it's one of those things where you're going into the rose ceremony and there's one rose left and you're like, okay, just give it to him. Because of course, like it's such a prepackaged formula the show has Mm -hmm. where you know it's going to go to him, but you're just like, really? (laughs) We're still going to do it, eh? Yeah. (laughs) One thing I loved is that, A, I never want to hear the phrase grown-ass man ever again. (laughs) The amount of toxic masculinity that just flowed out of your screen from that episode was hilarious and also a touch concerning in 2020. Mm -hmm. But also the, the man baby, the producers have started to take it for a walk so much where they're just like, yeah, let's make him carry it around the whole time. Like when he's trying to have serious conversations, you'll be holding the baby. Like if I was a producer, I would totally F with them like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy they're leaning more and more into it. I just live for it. (laughs) It It's pretty funny. So I was laughing a little bit earlier about a minute or so ago uh, when you were saying, 
when you were discussing that because I actually I pulled up the uh, Dale Party City uh, photos and uh, pretty damn funny, yeah. <laughs> what a, a super, rocket, right? A super, Superman outfit, uh, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty <laughs> hilarious. You definitely need to look at those, uh, you guys, because that's so so funny. Uh, uh, about that comment, uh, the smoke show thing, would that bother you? I assume it would if a guy referred to you as a smoke show. Did we lose you? Are you there? Oh, hello. Am I doing the podcast alone? No. Oh, yep. Bye bye. Hmm. Okay. Well, until he comes back, I don't quite know where he went. Oh, crap. I guess I'll talk about Bennett for a while because he seems like kind of an interesting character. Oh, damn. Am I I actually gone here? (laughs) I feel like all this is going to be cut out. (laughs) I sure hope so. Um, Oh, damn. He's still gone. Okay. And he's still gone. So. But I'm not going to. Hello? (whistles) Nothing, eh? Hello? Oh, now she's gone. Oh, boy. She probably just hung up and just like, okay, this guy, screw this guy, you know? Let's try again. Was this a cleverly disguised way for her to get rid of me? To be honest, if she was doing that on purpose to get rid of me, because she didn't like my take about uh, Dale being hot or something, uh, that would be a, a brilliant maneuver on her part to make it seem like I was the one who was gone but in reality, she was just trying to screw with me. That would have been fantastic. I would give her all the props in the world. So uh, let me give another uh, call here to see if, uh, or called well, if it were. <laughs> I'll see myself out. I'm sorry. Well, that's it for the pod, I guess. Thank you for listening for like eight minutes or whatever it was. All right, let's give this a try again to see if she likes to talk to me or if she just does not like me at all. It's possible. Oh, we are back. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I did a little soliloquy after uh, you left, I, or I guess I left, and I was like, is this a, a brilliantly disguised way for her to not want to talk to me anymore? If so, that would have been incredible. And I'm sitting there because it said that you dropped the call, and I thought that I was still recording, so I'm like, well... I don't know where he went, so I'm going to talk about Bennett for a bit. You did. So I talked about Bennett by myself uh, I, for a minute. I got all the recording. <laughs> no, I heard you loud and clear, and it, it recorded, so it was just funny. I'm like, that would be brilliant if she's just like, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore, and that's why I'm playing. That's the maneuver. I, I would have respected that. That would have been great gameplay. See ya. <laughs> and my question, though, was... Anyways. Uh, take two on this. My, my question was... Uh, would it bother you if a dude uh, were to uh, call you a smoke show, like uh, what's his, uh, Chasen did? I feel like, in theory, I'm like, no, it's not actually that bad. But in the Bachelor setting outside of like the normal world, it just seemed so hilariously out of place because they just have this prepackaged language of journey to find love and right reasons and like all the buzzwords. It's so funny that smoke show has just never been in there. And it's such like, it's such a small town Canadian, like hockey term. So we're, I feel like as women in Canada, we're so used to that (laughs) of that term just being thrown around. But Houndy, I just turned 32 and I'm devastatingly single. I'll take whatever people want to call me. (laughs) Devastatingly single. Oh, wow. What a term. That's it. That's good. Uh, but not good, well, though, man, I guess, but you know. I live in a town of 7,000 people, and I think I'm one of, like, three single ones here, and the other two I'm related to, so my hopes aren't necessarily super high. <laughs> well, I guess you got to go on The Bachelor. Uh, they've had a, a few seasons of The Bachelor Canada. Uh, not the last couple of years, I don't think, but uh, would you ever go on? 
I don't think I would. If I would, it would be more of just, no, hear me out, because you know me as a friend. It would be more so as just a social experiment, and because I think it would be so funny. Because obviously I would get booted the first night because I would say something super weird and inappropriate, and no. I and I would try and be nice, and then people would think it was fake, but and... And then I would no drop chance. a bunch of feminist stuff on everyone. I I would be I would either make it till the end and then be like, what the hell am I doing here? I I wasn't meaning to make it this far. Or I would be the one that has too too many Chardonnays and falls in the pool on the first night. <laughs> that would show. totally be me. And it's like I'm in way too far. And then my jealousy would kick in because I'm not actually designed for that process. Not at all. I would be such a lunatic. Yeah. Well, uh, but, uh, if, I don't think you would be. But if you were. I would support you and love that because I, I love uh, those people who are good TV. <laughs> it's been pretty entertaining, though, I will say, with Tasha. I think it's been pretty good. And uh, some of these some of these knuckleheads are really good. And uh, this uh, Noah guy who had the mustache, uh, and then he shaved it for her. What are your thoughts on him? I had a problem with her doing that. Yeah. Full stop, Ooh, full honesty. I, when she when Well, because she, the way that she did it was kind of like, oh, I'd wonder what you'd look like without it. And it's like, dude, that's his mustache. If he feels confident and hot or whatever he wants to feel in that creepy little mustache, that's his journey mm-hmm. to find love mm-hmm. with his weird little mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I have a huge problem because I would never want to go on there and have a man ever tell me to change anything about myself. Yeah. And I don't, I think, I don't think that should be different for them. I, when she started saying it and then he did it and then it was this cute little thing where she's shaving it off, I was kind of like, that's all fine and dandy if it was his idea. But if he's attached to that, you can't tell him what to do with his facial hair. Imagine if he had been like, no, I'm not shaving it off. And then she got rid of him that night. That would have been, uh, let's see, that would have been some good TV <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, it's the opposite. Like if, if I were to be on there and if a man were to casually kind of tell me that I should cut my hair, I would tell him to pound sand on national television and go grab another drink. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to hear my uh, ridiculously horrible dad joke that I thought about considering this guy's name is Noah and everyone uh, is annoyed by him? Uh, yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> I wrote this down. I, I want to make sure I got this right. I, I said, uh, this guy is rather uh, Noah-ing. <laughs> 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 you did it, houndy. You did it. <laughs> I was uh, I was pretty proud of that one. So, uh, uh, do you want do you want to delve into some football, uh, some NFL uh, before? I this, would love to. Yeah, the Seahawks game. How freaking bad is this Seahawks defense? I ranted about this last week on my Instagram live. How unbelievably, historically brutal their defense is. How uh, bad is it? Uh, the thing is, is it's not just historically bad for the Seahawks. It's historically bad in the National Football League. Yeah. That's what's so mind-boggling about it. And I understand that they've had a bunch of injury issues, but I'm sorry, look at someone like the 49ers, and there's not much that you can say. It's, And I know that theirs has been the same position group, which really starts to add up if it's it's your one corner that keeps going down or whichever. But with Jamal Adams, I want to ask you about that, actually, Mm -hmm. Houndy, because... I was totally for that trade, and now that it we have enough of a sample size, and I, I do want to throw in the gigantic asterisk that he's been playing hurt and he's missed time or whichever, but how do you feel about it now that we're this far out? Because I think a lot of people were hoping that he was going to save that defense, and 
there hasn't been a super huge impact that I've noticed that's worth what they gave up. Yeah, uh, it's a good question because they gave up uh, two first-round picks for that. And, of course, my buddy Spiros was ripping me for that. Like, oh, what a brutal trade. Uh, It doesn't look as good now. Hopefully, obviously, those picks will be uh, toward the end of the first round. Um, Yeah, Adams... The thing is, he's not really a safety. That's his position, they say. He's more like a, like a, like a mm-hmm. linebacker slash defensive end in a way, weird way, because like he's really good at sacks. He's not a good safety. Quandre Diggs has been really bad at safety. They thought they were getting something really mm-hmm. good from him last year. So like, oh my God, now I got another stupid call. What is going on with this podcast? I got a call from Bangladesh, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Bangladesh. I'm going to decline that Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is going off the rails. Uh, yeah, Quandre Diggs has not been good. So, yeah, Jamal Adams, like you said, he's been hobbling, but not so great. But oh my, it just feels like everyone on the back end is just atrocious right now, and uh, I can't take it. Well, and the thing is, is with Russ and with their offense, their defense, like going in, the big glaring hole was their pass rush. And that's what we talked about in the offseason was they're pretty okay at defense, but they need a lot of help at pass rush. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of seemed like they tried to address that. Like you said, like he's not a traditional safety, but with their offense, their their defense just needs to be serviceable. They yeah. don't need to be in the top 10 or even 15 because their, their offense can make up so much of that groundwork for them. And I want to talk about rest for a section or for a second, if we can transition to that, Absolutely. because I'm getting a little bit frustrated with the narrative that everybody is just crapping all over Russ and oh he had such a great start to the season and yes he's made a bunch of mistakes and there is a very distinct drop off but I want to talk about why because not enough people are sure so and, and I get that it's frustrating there's more turnovers than we expected and whichever but it, the whole narrative going into the season was everybody screaming from the rooftops we need to let Russ cook mm-hmm. and then the season started and you see Uncle Pete letting him do it. And and it's amazing. The first few games were just sensational because you're thinking, okay, they listened. And look, it's working. It's amazing. It's sensational to watch. And when you've got someone like Tyler Lockett, it's not like you can exactly double cover him. Because who do you have on the other side? Um, DeKalen Zacharias Metcalf. That's uh, who you have on the other I love side. You, I love that you say his full name. That's so awesome. I never actually knew what his full name was. I saw you put that on Instagram. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> Because I'm just, I'm known for two things now. A, my obsession with DK Metcalf. Oh, so and awesome. B, my newfound love and respect for Brian, Brian Flores. And it's to a yes. point where everybody's tagging me in all content, both DK Metcalf <laughs> and Brian Flores, which I'm so here for. But anyways, back to the Rust point. The thing is, is that whole narrative changed. And this season, there was a huge noticeable shift in how Pete was running that offense. And it was working. But as if people aren't, the more tape they get on Russ, you think that teams aren't going to watch that and make the necessary adjustments? Like, you see what's been happening the last few weeks. They're blitzing the living hell out of him, and it's Mm -hmm. working. He's Mm -hmm. making more mistakes. And I feel like a lot of people aren't necessarily putting those two things together that, yeah, you said you wanted Russ to cook. He comes out. He's cooking. Do you honestly think that the rest of the teams in the league are just going to let him do that? Yeah, they they get paid to stop him, right? Yep. Yeah, like it's kind of an apples and oranges comparison, but I kind of look the same at Lamar Jackson where people are all of a sudden talking about, oh, Lamar's fallen off and this and that. It's no, last season he came out and no one knew what to do with him. No one knew how to stop him. But look how much more tape we have on him now. We see a lot of the same consistent mistakes that teams are making. And you saw what Tennessee did in the playoffs. It seems like, 
a lot of teams are using that strategy against them this season. It's working. It's the, the Baltimore doesn't look as explosive. And I know they're, they're different quarterbacks. They're, like I said, apples and oranges, but people just don't realize that if something happens for a long enough time, defenses are naturally going to make those adjustments. You do need the threat of a running game to be able to be good to pass the ball. Well, and if we're talking about running game, they have zero running backs. Mm -hmm. So, of course, teams are going to be looking at that going, okay, I don't necessarily think that DJ Dallas is going to be the absolute savior for this game. Obviously, Russ is going to throw the ball. So they conduct themselves accordingly. So the combination of them changing their whole offensive scheme and having literally zero running backs because they're all hurt, like, of course, this is going to happen. That being said... I was more firm on this argument until last week. Last week, I think a lot of it was just Moran. Russ didn't look like Russ. He looked is he injured? Kind of foggy. He, I don't know. I don't know because I've wondered that, and there are a lot of plays where it doesn't look like he is. A lot of them just kind of seemed like mental errors, but you never really know. But also, people talk about the number of turnovers. Like there are asterisks to that where one of them, the center basically snapped it onto his ankles. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the backup he center. shouldn't necessarily be, yeah, he shouldn't necessarily be charged for that. So the numbers don't always tell the whole story, but you're right. Like when you watch him, you have to wonder what it is, whether it is mental or whether it is an injury, because it seems like he has dropped off quite a bit. But I think that's where tonight is such an exciting game. Oh, because be these teams played each other within the last three weeks. It was an unbelievable game. And now they're playing again, and MVP conversation, who's the four that have been rattled around? <laughs> Two of them are definitely in this game tonight. So my four right now, I have, and it fluctuates literally hourly for me because I think about it so much because I don't have a lot on the go right now. For me right now, I think it's Patrick, Rogers, Murray, Russ. And those have interchanged quite a bit. And I have Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara on the outskirts. I wish the conversation wasn't so quarterback-focused. Right, right. Well, it's funny you say it because but, I, was, I was watching Pardon the Interruption the uh, last couple of days. And I, and I love that show. I will always watch it. It's a great show to binge at 20 minutes. It's so easy to watch. But uh, mm -hmm. Michael Wilbon, and I love the show, like I said, he is so prone to, like, um, uh, the picture of the New York Mets. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, not Syndergaard. Uh, who won the MVP? Or the uh, Cy Young a couple years ago. Uh, he had an incredible ERA, but his um, but his record wasn't very good. Uh, New York Mets pitcher. Oh. Hey, you're not talking to a baseball guy. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, I'll Google here in a sec. But anyway, the, the, his record wasn't very, very good. But Wilbon was like, oh, like his record isn't great. Like he shouldn't win the Saw Young, even though he was, his ERA was like 1.7 or something like that. So, Will's, mm -hmm. so uh, Wilbon the other day said his MVP right now is Ben Roethlisberger. That's what he said. Pardon me? Exactly. Let me find this in New York Nets. It's going to drive me crazy. Let me, let me see here. Okay, while you were looking at that, I have so many problems with that. The, ben Roethlisberger has nothing to do with the success of that team. Their offense is fine. They have a very serviceable offense, but between Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, uh, Juju looks good. Their defense is carrying the main load for that, and Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy that if you start falling behind, he's your 
he's your savior. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's but, that's a Patrick Mahomes. That's a Kyler Murray. That Ben isn't that guy. Are you kidding me? Even, Sorry, even Russ, yeah. I knew it wasn't your take. I'm just very offended. Well, that's what I mean. No, that, that's the thing. About, uh, that's the point I'm making about. It. It's so ridiculous. It was Jacob Degrom, by the way, the Mets pitcher. But yeah, so he won the Cy Young, and I think even years ago, Felix Hernandez of the Mariners won the Cy Young. But their records weren't overly overly great. So Will Bond's point was, you played the win to win the game. Like it's such an outdated uh, argument. So uh, he's like Ben Roethlisberger. He's nine and zero. Like the Steelers are undefeated. So he's the MVP. It's like, oh my God, you're such an idiot. Okay, I want to ask you one more question about this game. Sure. Because I think it's going to be just a wildly offensive battle. I yes. hope it is. I hope that it, like I hope that it's like thirty-seven to thirty-four. Well, you can guarantee Arizona's going to score a thousand points. So yes, at least one half of that ledger will be uh, a lot of points. Yeah. <sighs> Man, their run game looks so good with Kenyon Drake back. Like with with Kyler Murray basically being a running back as well. They are just a three-headed monster with Chase Edmonds in there. I, I worry about their improving run game <laughs> up against someone like Seattle. Seattle up until um, last week was actually not bad against the run. Like that was their one aspect of their defense that wasn't too horrible. And then the Rams ran all, ran all over them, but uh oh boy, it, it could be a long night. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I know. Well, luckily, Seattle's defense last week, actually, I think it was only, what, 23 points? So if if they can hold a team to th- 23 points, Russ with Lockett and with DK, in theory, should be able to cover that by a mile. Yeah. What like what are your big things that you're looking for tonight? Because the next part of this pod will be coming right out of it. So yes. like I'm looking at the rushing game for the Cardinals, and I'm looking at um, passing for us. What do you like? What are you looking for tonight? Well, here's the thing. Like you say, their defense was pretty good. Oh, they were better in terms of uh, points allowed. They were still not. Uh, the Rams started the game nine of eleven on third down, which is just abysmally horrific. Every single time Seattle, even if it's like third and twenty, I'm like, no, they're going to give it up. It's going to happen every single time, and it does. So Seattle is horrific on third down on defense, and they're. I think the, the last time I saw their stat was third worst on offense on third down, which is crazy to think. I think it was only the Jets mm-hmm. and the uh, the Jets and the Jaguars. I want to say it was. I can't remember the other team, but obviously a brutal team. And it's like they are third worst on third down offense, which is insane. That's where if they could be a semblance of a decent team on third down tonight against the Cardinals, I think Seattle can win. Well, because the thing is, is like their offense can't make any mistakes and they can't let up and just rely on their defense (laughs) with the whole core of this team. It is so based around their offense that you literally have no choice, but show up like Russ has to play out of his mind every single game for them to have a chance with how their defense is playing. It sucks too. Hopefully it can be a 23 points, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. But yeah, they've all, they brought all these uh, defensive guys in Bruce Irvin out for the year. Uh, You know, Marquis Blair, second round uh, safety gone for the year. Uh, ben Samayo has missed like four weeks. Quentin Dunbar was their corner. He's out for, he's on IR now. Like a bunch of their offseason additions at defense. Uh, I've been uh, missing a bunch of games. So that certainly doesn't help at all. But uh, I hope I'm wrong. But uh, I'm going to say uh, Arizona, like 34, Seattle 27. What do you think? Okay. Um, I'm going to, I don't think the Cardinals are going to sweep. I'm going to say Seahawks tonight um, very reluctantly as I take another sip of my white wine in fear. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Seattle 32, Arizona 28. Okay, well, I will I'd gladly take that one. Uh, with 32, very interesting score on that one. Uh, 
Yay. There's uh, the thing is about Seahawks games is it's They're never comfortable. Yeah, like right. the only game that I can remember that was comfortable. So there's always a bunch of weird shit happening. Mm-hmm. The only game I can remember being relatively comfortable was against the Niners. And you're basically playing Ooh. a practice squad. But even then, like but, in that fourth quarter, they gave Nick Mullins a couple touchdowns. With if they would have gotten the two point conversion, it would have been a one score game. I was losing my mind at work. I was like, you know, yelling. It's like they're doing this again because uh, they, they lost to Arizona, right? Like that same sort of way they screwed up in the fourth quarter. So even though that was mostly a fine game, I was still losing my mind. So uh, it's never, yeah. it's it's always, it, it can never be boring with Seattle, which I guess is good, but it's also uh, tough on the ner- on the old nerves. It's that's the thing is it's never boring, but man, the stress that comes along with it. Like I've leaned so much more into the Seahawks the last few seasons, and I don't think it is good for my entire cardiac system. So uh, 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 I thought you were a Colts fan. Are you like a, you like the Colts in the AFC and Seattle in the NFC, or what's the deal with that? Uh, I was hoping to not have to publicly talk about it. Oh, <laughs> I've been hosting Football Central with Sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been hosting Football Central with Sportsnet, and they kind of my co-host slash friend kind of alluded to asking me, and I wasn't ready to come full public with it. <laughs> but for just a multitude of reasons, as I've gotten older, I've gravitated a lot more towards the Seahawks than the Colts. But that being said, I'm still a, I'm still a Colts fan. I'm just it's embarrassing to make the tr- transition as an adult, but mm-hmm. I it, like it's. Mm-hmm. It's been happening for a lot of years, man. I don't know what to say. I mean, obviously, I love that you love Seattle. Don't get me wrong, but I couldn't let you go uh, off the hook that easily without bringing that up because normally, say it wasn't to <laughs> Seattle. Say you went from the Colts to like I don't know, like Green Bay or something. I would have totally eviscerated. Good word, you. So uh, well, yeah, I, I'm not a monster. Know. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't let you go that easily. So. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we'll be back. Uh, Seattle game's going to happen tonight. I uh, will probably do some Instagram lives maybe at halftime. Hopefully, I'm not too fired up, although that is better, uh, you know, Instagram living when I'm very upset. But uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> halftime and after the game, then we'll do uh, the second half of the pod. Wilson is going to scramble now, throw into touchdown, Metcalf. Okay, now welcome back on Katie. What a great Seahawks victory over Arizona. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, bang, 28-21. Thank goodness. It wouldn't have been a, uh, a disaster had they lost, but it would uh, obviously have been pretty rattling to lose four or five games. Uh, what do you think of the contest against Arizona? Bang, what a win. <laughs> That's the thing. We don't need to talk about what could have happened if they lost because they didn't, and we can thank everyone named Carlos for that because oh, that was yes. a Carlos-heavy game. I'm yes. so here for it. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to see a semblance of a ground game because, uh, you know, the last, whatever, month or so, it's just been absolutely nothing with Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. And, uh, you know, uh, actually Alex Collins wasn't too bad last week, but it was just so nice to finally see, you know, some balance to the offense. Of course, Russell didn't have to throw 50 times a game. And uh, what a... It just, it just, it's just so different. You know, when, when they lose, I would have been yeah. ranting and raving, but now it's all great. You know, it's uh, so nice. <laughs> Well, and just the trickle effect that it has for the rest of the game. Like now you can incorporate play action when you actually have a semblance of a running game and their defense showed up. Like we were texting throughout the game. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe what's happening right now. The one concern that I do have, I don't want to rain on this excitement parade. Sure. I worry that Pete Carroll is now validated and we shouldn't let Russ cook. We should just rely on the ground game. I'm like, don't let him go back. Have it be a balance. It was a typical Seahawks game in a way of when you were doing your Instagram live at the half. And I, I wrote in, I just said, I cannot wait until that mix 
missed extra point inevitably just comes back to haunt us because when there's over two minutes left in the fourth quarter and you've got a rushing quarterback with an arm like Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and you're down by seven I'm sitting there going like okay here it is of course this is what happens of course they take the lead in overtime because why wouldn't that happen why Mm -hmm. wouldn't they come down and then score seven and all of it was just like I've seen this story before and it was so crazy to watch it not unfold in a Seahawks manner. Yeah. Uh, do you it was know, so confusing. Yeah, of course. Uh, do you know what I actually have to give a lot of credit for? Because uh, his first year as a converted safety, he was pretty good. The second year, last year, eh. This year, he was horrific the first, whatever, five, six games. I got to give, you know, he's not the greatest at tackling at times, but Trey Flowers, uh, considering Shaquille Griffin yeah. and um, uh, Quentin Dunbar are out of the games, like Trey Flowers has actually showed up the last month. He has been huge. Without him, holy cr- he, Him and DJ Reed, who's only been activated the last month, they, they've actually were pretty yeah. good. DeAndre Hopkins didn't do a ton. I know. And as soon as we were sitting there, or I'm sitting there watching the game, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm sitting here talking up their three-headed monster run game. I didn't even bring up D-Hop. Uh, it's like he's someone that you typically have to have three guys on him. And then you look at the – Hale Murray, you can have three guys on him and yeah. oftentimes it doesn't matter. So I did flash back to that when they were down nearing the end zone right at the end of the game. I'm just thinking like, there's no way that this is happening again. Is like uh, obviously they drove, drove the field for quite a while there, but they, yeah, once they got to like the 30 yard line, it's like, of course you're thinking like, okay, of course they're going to keep going. You know, yeah. it's like, wait, what? Wait, is this defense? Like the, the defense that, it, you know, was the, uh, the thing like five, seven years ago. Like it was just like, Wow, like they actually—I gotta give them credit—they were actually not too horrible. Of course, when you get a, a few guys back uh, healthy, that could be the case. But I, I'm surprised they weren't completely terrible, which is, I guess, a good sign. Or there were a few moments where I was getting cool flashes of the Legion of Boom because it was—they were actually applying pressure and making plays, and it was like, oh my god, this is what it could be like again. What? <laughs> yep. It was just, it was such a fun game. It was exactly everything I hoped for. There was the potential of it being an absolutely wild score. (laughs) I think I had said like, what, 32, 28? Yeah. weren't that far off. And I I texted you when Seattle had 25 points. I'm like, oh my God, if they get a touchdown here, it's going to be 32 (laughs) points, which would have been hilarious, right? (laughs) And then, of course, they did a Seattle thing. They lose the ball. They fumble for 10 yards, a loss. It's like, oh my God. They cannot do things that are capable of being boring, which is, uh, again, it is fun and it's entertaining, but like as a fan to watch every week, oh man, the stress level, it's crazy. It's so stressful. And I see it in other Seahawks fans. Like there are a few people that during games, I will just text throughout the entire game now because we're all living alone in quarantine and just need someone to stress talk to. So my girlfriend, Emily and I, we were chatting, she's down in Spokane and basically having the same conversation that you and I were like, no one is ever comfortable watching a Seahawks game. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, but you are never, ever comfortable. Like even up until the last second, you're like, Oh God, what's about to happen? The funny thing is like, even though they've generally speaking for the last number of years, been a really good team. They've won what? 10 plus games every year, pretty much for the last, except for the nine, seven year, like in 2017, They've, you know, 10 plus games in for, for many, many years. It's, it's so weird. I always have this, like, it's, it's almost like a, like, oh, like a five and 11 teams and, um, you know, a belief in my head. Like, oh God, here we go. Like, of course, Arizona's going to score the going ahead, go ahead touchdown here. Like, despite the fact they've been really, really good. I always have these, these like moments of like, nope, they're going to lose now. Dumb team. They're going to lose. And then I, I definitely had that tonight too. 
And that's, I think that's just the experience of being a jaded sports fan where you've experienced so much heartbreak in your life. And in those moments, you don't necessarily remember the Super Bowl win. You remember the Super Bowl where it's picked off right at the end. It's like there's so much built in Mm -hmm. deep seated trauma that so many sports fans have. If you if you followed a team for more than five years, Mm. I always say a true sports fan, if you're a, a true fan, you expect the worst at all times. Like, obviously, you might be confident. Totally. Of course, I tr- trust, generally speaking, of course, I trust Russell Wilson. He was very good in this game, uh, control of football. But I feel like a true fan, a real fan, expects the team to somehow screw it up some way. But then, and, and I agree with you for the most part, but then if I'm sitting here as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you're basically just living your absolute best life every Sunday and you just know everything's going to be okay. I feel like they're kind of in their own tier. Like I, I want to put the Steelers in that tier, but I'm just not there yet with them. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. And we had the conversation earlier about big Ben that I don't necessarily think that he's the guy that can come in and just save the game for you. But I think the one exception would probably be the chiefs for me where you're sitting there and you might actually have enjoyable Sundays for the most part. Like, what is that like? I think if you're closely intertwined with the team, good work, uh, you're, you're thinking they're going to lose. And, uh, but it's just so nice to see a uh, victory seven and three for Seattle. Bang. Mm, bang. That was, it was just such a, it was such a wild Seahawks game in so many different ways that there were so many different storylines. Like think about how long ago it was when we were texting about DK mm. when he, and then that, that, that holding call oh. only like what that 40 plus yard holding call. Like Terrible. there, there were just so many different moments where you want to tear your hair out, but then there's a call the opposite direction where you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's uh Oh, I'm just, I'm so, I'm feel like I'm on a cloud right now just because <laughs> those games give me so much adrenaline and I'm just, I'm so here for anything NFC West. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, I'm just so addicted to that division. It's so funny how, you know, a number of years ago it was like, Oh my God, basically the, well, they were the NFC West was the NFC East essentially. And it was just a joke of a, of a division and Seattle won at seven and nine. They were so bad. And now, of course, obviously, it's totally flipped. And, uh, yeah, there's they're no kidding. probably there very well might be three teams in that division that, that make the playoffs now. So uh, all these games are, are huge, especially divisional battles. And, uh, and like I said on my Instagram Live, uh, Seattle's last six games are against Philly, Giants, Washington, Jets, Rams, 49ers. So it's like one of those deals where it's like, you know what? Yeah. They actually have the easiest schedule coming down the stretch. So. What a win. I saw a tweet that made me laugh so hard. It says the Seahawks will spend their next four games touring the scenic NFC East and honorary NFC East member, the New York Jets. <laughs> I'm like, if they aren't an honorary member of that division, I don't know who is. That's a funny tweet. I like that. I wish I would have thought of that myself. Uh, very, very good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's always easier to uh, have fun and uh, you know be celebrating a win uh, for this podcast at the end here. Uh, it would have been better podcast material if they had lost, and I would have been ranting and raving. Having said that, as Larry David would say, pretty, pretty, pretty happy Seattle. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, do we think – I want to ask this question. Yeah. Do How hurt is Kyler Murray and his shoulder or shoulders? <sighs> yeah, it seemed like the whole he game. Didn't, he didn't look comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. seemed like his whole game, uh, he was uh, – he was he getting ice packs on that and stuff. Uh yeah, yeah. Like he didn't. I mean, I don't watch every single Arizona game, but obviously I've seen enough of him. But yeah, those throws, they certainly seemed 
somewhat like Cam Newton-esque in terms of like, you know, five-yard passes and stuff like that. It didn't seem like mm-hmm. well, he definitely wasn't passing downfield, which was, uh, you know, against the Seattle, very suspect sec- secondary. You think he would have. So, uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it, probably, it probably was a pretty damn injured concern he didn't do that. And that's just a situation where, like, even as a Seahawks fan, it's so blasphemous to cheer for another team in the division. But he's someone where I look at, like an Aaron Rodgers, where – Every time a player like that gets injured, you're just like, oh, the, the league is so much better. The game yeah. is so much better with you in it. And I'm just so high on Kyler right now that it doesn't matter which team he's on. Just as a human being, like he he's someone that's so easy to cheer for. He's Whoa. he's so electric to watch in so many different ways. And and it's just a situation where it's like you just you just don't want to see it under any circumstances. You don't want to see anybody like that get hurt. Great to have you on the pod, uh, Katie. Uh, uh, obviously, you're uh, a fan favorite, so we'll have you on again uh, definitely uh, soon coming up. And perhaps, uh, you know, we were talking about how Seattle has, after this game, started like a five, six-game winning streak, hopefully going into the playoffs, and they win every single game the rest of the year. Oh, before I have to ask you the question, what's their trap game? Uh, I think that's in that stretch. To be honest with you, it might actually be next Monday, uh, the, the whatever, 11 days from now against Philadelphia because – uh, every NFC West, uh, sorry, NFC East team is going to be completely, uh, you know, scared, uh, and they're going to be desperate for a victory. So Philadelphia, I, I, I my, maybe, maybe it's my dumb brain. I can't accept them being a bad team. I just, I just like okay, somehow Doug Peterson is going to do something with that team, and uh, that might be the game where, but at least it's they have like eleven days to prepare for them. I wanted to say Washington, but I feel like it'll just be the most unpredictable one. Like, I think it'll be the Giants, and it'll be such a gross game, and we'll feel so sad forgetting how great their record is. <laughs> yeah. I just, I foresee it coming. <laughs> yeah. There's, well, as a Seattle fan, there's no question that uh, it's going to be obvious. There's going to be, there's going to be some game where you're like, oh, God. So uh, that's uh, that's almost a guarantee for sure. So, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, being back on the pod uh, discussing this tremendous Seattle victory, uh, Katie, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Mm, bang. Here's my set. And this ball game's going to end. And how fitting, Troy, for this defense to make a play at the end of this one. A defense that's been under fire all year. That was tons of fun talking to Katie Caldwell about the Seahawks and the Bachelor earlier in this podcast. <laughs> like I said, it cuts differently when Seattle wins. If they had lost this game, I would have ranted and raved, I'm sure, about how brutal their defense has been, which it had been before this game. Uh, but, you know, you get some guys back, it's not so bad. And it's nice to see them at 7-3. and three. The Pete Carroll team, man, like, except for the first couple of years when, uh, you know, they didn't have Russell Wilson in Seattle. It's very easy to forget, by the way. Uh, of course, Matt Hasselbeck was the holdover. Then they brought in uh, Tavares Jackson, uh, rest in peace. And then they brought in uh, Charlie Whitehurst, uh, Matt Flynn, but he uh, was beat out by Russell Wilson in his rookie year. It's very easy to forget the Seattle uh, had some core quarterbacks that were not good at all that they brought in under the Pete Carroll era. So, yeah, he's been fantastic. He had been out of sorts for about the last three, four weeks, as we talked about earlier in the podcast. Much better tonight. Com- uh, completely clean. There was never a play or a, a throw where you're like, oh, my goodness, that's going to be uh, intercepted. So nice to see that. Hopefully he's not hurt, uh, as we speculated earlier in this podcast. But uh you never know. Seattle's now seven and three. So 
lots of fun t- talking to Katie. Uh, she's super knowledgeable about football, uh, and it's just you know, literally we could have talked for forever. Thank you for listening to episode 45 of the H-Dog Pod. Back. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. You have reached Katie Caldwell. Please leave your message after the tone. After leaving a message, you can hang up or press pound for more options. Hi, is this uh, Katie Caldwell? Uh, it's Michael Harrison calling from the H-Dog Pod episode uh, 45. I believe this was your cleverly disguised and brilliant, if I might say, uh, maneuver to get rid of me and not talk to me ever again. If that was the case, I give you full props. I love it. It's an amazing play. Yeah, you know, I got to give you all the credit in the world. So if that is the case, Katie, uh, bravo to you. <laughs>